is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, where I am extremely grateful for our generous listeners. I am one of your hosts. My name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Hood River, Oregon, where I am even more grateful than Tim, <laughs> Andrew Hoffman. Yay! Okay, the, the, the today is March 2nd. So, or March first. Today's March first. Well, so our our campaign for your, uh, I guess by the time this gets out, though, it'll be like third or fourth. Yeah. But uh, our campaign for your medical bills has come to its official end. And drum roll, pre- please. Would you like to know how much we made? Yeah. Eight hundred dollars. Oh wow! We hit eight hundred. So we had a few we had a few late late joiners here in the last few days, and uh, sure enough, we hit eight hundred. So wasn't wasn't the thousand, but hey, eight hundred is way better than zero. And uh, oh, absolutely, it's yeah. awesome that we got that much. I think that's uh, that's all. It's just awesome. I think that's really really neat. I'm excited about that. It's kind of cool, you know. There somewhere about a year, couple years ago, we hit a point where you know our storage and all the kind of you know. Uh, costs of doing the show were taken care of by the listener and we just can kind of coast in on that for a while you know en- enough here and there to to just do something you know small with but uh never had a kind of a drive like we had these last few months and uh that was, that's a huge amount i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked i think it's a really that's really cool that we were able to get that much for you man and hope it blesses your family um helps you pay down that debt and whatnot and i did want to say uh, you know, we kind of made an artificial end to uh, to the campaign to the money bomb for Andrew Hoffman. <laughs> medical bomb. The medical money bomb <laughs> ends on March fourth, seventeen seventy. No, uh, so um, from now on, all the donations that come in, we're just going to go back to putting them in the fund for you know p- paying for you know storage and software and different stuff that we do pay for for the show. You know, domain stuff like this. Um, but I do want to know, say that if anybody does still feel the need or uh, didn't get a chance to, or would like to in the future, um, you know, until Andrew tells us, us otherwise that the account balance is zero, uh, we will accept donations as long as you write in the note, you know, for Andrew Hoffman, and that way I can kind of go through at the end of each you know month or so and say okay here we got this many donations and and that way i can just uh withdraw that money and and send a check to you so um yeah and any moving forward if you still feel the need to donate you didn't get a chance to for one reason or another and you still want to just in the note section say for andrew's medical bills as most people actually did anyway when they were donating um if you do that it'll make sure to uh to go right to andrew well Thanks to everybody, and I think you already sent me the the list. So. I sent you a list earlier today, yeah. So that's all of the people, the amount, the person, and the uh, the emails everybody that everyone donated. So pretty awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I was like, I, I felt really good about this. I mean, it's just 
just really, really cool. So I'm excited and, uh, hopefully, hopefully that helps. Um, okay. Should we move so, forward? No, no starvation anytime soon. So that's exciting. It's <laughs> good news. No starvation. You were going to starve because trying to pay these medical bills. They, they say you can, you could try to prove that you're starving and then they might, you know, take 5% off or something. So, Oh really? But, uh, they got you. I mean, it's none of my business, but they got you on a pay, pay plan, like a, like a, or do you got to pay it all? No, I mean, you can, there was like a 5% discount for paying it all up front. So we ended up doing that, but. Okay, and then so it's all kind of still on a, a debt so, of some we, sort. Well, yeah, we were now this year's insurance is is worse, and we're accumulating. <laughs> We've already got some some fresh medical bills, but for happier reasons. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's an absolutely huge help. Um, I mean, I had, I had no like expectations like, Oh, I hope I get this much. I mean, I would have been happy with anything. So $800 is a a huge blessing. So thank you to, to everyone who participated. And, um, also I know there's a lot of people out there with their own, uh, financial issues and what have you. So zero like guilt, whatsoever if if you didn't donate so that's why my caveat there since you know i kind of hate asking for money so that's yeah i know i'm not a not, not the biggest fan of it either but it was for my friend who needed it so it was a little bit easier for me this time around yeah. okay but uh now we gotta deliver some some show some infotainment we gotta get this gold on tape to get some content out there yeah um today at work i am uh sitting in the way my desk is situated i'm near like the uh waiting area of the dealership where the tv and the the lounge is with the, the customers sit on couches and whatnot and i believe there's no customers in the dealership at the time or at least not in the lounge area one of my coworkers over there standing beside the uh, the television, and it's on real loud. He's a bit hard of hearing, <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know, I don't know, but I think this is just all crap." And, he, he's, <laughs> and I just listened. And I just kind of laugh, and I said, "Oh, you think so?" He goes, "Are they really going to elect Trump? I mean, Trump is winning all this crap in a landslide. I think we're in trouble." And I was like, "Was this your first clue? We're in trouble?" Or and he's like, <laughs> "He goes." I, I just can't believe I can't believe this. And then I'm he's, I'm sitting there, just kind of listening, having kind of a conversation with him. But he's staring at the TV, and he has this look of just horror on his face. His mouth's kind of hanging open, and uh, you know it's a Super Tuesday, whatever. All you yeah, know, all everything's just going insane. And uh, I'm sitting there trying to work, and I'm watching him kind of keeping one ear open, listening to the TV. 
And I just hear something like, and that's why we can't, we got to stop. And like, there's so many, like, we got to stop Trump. Trump has to be stopped. And that's why Marco Rubio is just the guy to do it. And the, it was like such a forced line that came from one of the anchors. <laughs> I like looked over and started cracking up. He's like, Marco Rubio, I'm sick of this crap. I think I'd rather watch Full House reruns. And he like, <laughs> put something else on TV. <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, man, only 10 more months. He's like, I can't believe this. This is so, I mean, they, and that's just an average dude. I don't think he's any more or less into politics, but just the average guy is like, we're all in trouble. I'm sick of this crap. I'm going to put on reruns of some old show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, I don't know if that's the pulse on the mainstream America or anything, but it's it's definitely a snapshot of at least some. I heard uh, someone I work with threatening to move to Asia if Trump is elected, so... Yeah, I think they mentioned on the No Agenda show we should start a list. Everybody, of the people who said they're going to leave the country. Yeah, so that when he, when or if he gets elected, we can just uh, bring out the list. Be like, well, <laughs> yeah, you said. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think the the person they mentioned with the list, the original person, was uh, uh, the the Reverend Al Sharpton. So. Oh, he's definitely on that list. Yeah. Yep. So he's moving out of the country. Um, I just uh, well, if, since we're already starting right in on it, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> there's just something fascinating about this. Um, <sighs> we got a lot to cover here. I don't even know where to start, but I want to at least talk about the 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 meme that has popped up over the last couple of days 72 hours or so about Trump being a racist are you familiar with this meme and the clip yes. that it came from well yeah uh, they've been uh, this is there's been several runs at this meme yes mission accomplished this time around at least according to the media I'd like to play the actual clip, which has got the entire liberal and just basically the mainstream media sphere going crazy about Donald Trump being a racist. Can I play this clip? Yep. I want to ask you about the Anti-Defamation League, which this week called on you to publicly condemn unequivocally the racism of former KKK Grand Wizard David Duke, who recently said that voting against you at this point would be treason to your heritage. Will you unequivocally condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists in this election? Well, just so you understand, I don't know anything about David Duke, okay? I don't know anything about what you're even talking about with uh, white supremacy or white supremacists. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Did, did he endorse me or what's going on? Because, you know, I know nothing about David Duke. I know nothing about white supremacists. And so you're asking me a question that I'm supposed to be talking about people that I know nothing about. But I guess the question from the from the Anti-Defamation League is, even if you don't know about their endorsement, there are these groups and individuals endorsing you. Would you just say unequivocally you condemn them and you don't want their support? Well, I have to look at the group. I mean, I don't know what group you're talking about. You wouldn't want me to condemn a group that I know nothing about. I'd have to look. If you would send me a list of the groups, I will do research on them. And certainly I would disavow if I thought there was something wrong. The but you Ku may Klux have Klan? groups in there that are totally fine and it would be very unfair. So give me a list of the groups and I'll let you know. Okay. I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan here, but... I don't know. Honestly, I don't know David Duke. I don't believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him. And I just don't know anything about him. 
racist. Oh my gosh, unbelievable racist. He Can... poorly handled the uh, gotcha question. Yes, he did. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. They plant. They planted this question. I feel like they just kind of ambushed him with the question. It was lined up this way. He was supposed. They. They wanted him. To, they wanted him to do a Simon says. Simon says you disavow this. Da, 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 da. Well, and he didn't do it. And it's funny because the follow, the repercussions are he gets just destroyed in the mainstream media for this. Absolutely destroyed. So and then he's winning all of these polls on Super Tuesday. So like the American public is with him, but the media is totally against him. And last week tonight with John Oliver did another hit piece, this time not on Chipotle, but on Donald Trump. <laughs> um, and they did a, like, it was like 20 minutes of John Oliver just beating a dead ho- I mean, ho- he went after everything he could possibly think of. And for reasons that, you know, lead back to uh, Donald, well, Tr- Donald Trump actually questioning and this his is after former boss. Marco Rubio destroyed Donald Trump in the debate. Ah, crushed him that, that was the the meme over the weekend right because rubio got a little bit lippy back and forth he actually you know i don't know he developed a sense a, a sense of humor and some wit i don't know if he had good writers or what but he actually was firing <laughs> back at trump for once um and this supposedly was destroying him but yeah the the john oliver thing i guess john stewart was attacked by john, donald trump years ago and john Donald Trump said, "If uh, Stewart's so proud of his Jewish heritage, why doesn't why did he change his name from Leibowitz? He should be proud of his heritage." So then John Oliver, who was an employee of the Daily Show at the time, right. him and his writers got together and actually dug up that the guy's name, his original family name, was Drump D R U M P F. Um, and then, I mean, they went all out. They made an extension for most browsers that you can actually change the the word Trump to Drump. And, uh, I mean, they just lambasted him. It just is an absolute hit job. But it's just... What's fu- wrong with Trump? I don't know. It's just funny to me, though, that he. it's all... I mean, I think that was all a hit piece based on some old stuff. But I think that this racist thing, it's all off one comment that he handled incorrectly. Well, one question that he didn't feel. He may or may not have had his audio cut during the middle of that. It's kind of tough to tell just from playing the audio. Right. But it seemed like he had a hard time understanding what was being said. Yes. And And that, that is an old trick to like ask a gotcha question, but cut the guy's audio in the middle of it. And so what? What? What did he say? And then he, oh, you so you don't? Yeah. Oh, so you you hate all minorities? Oh, that's what we thought. And just to be clear, you know, neither Andrew nor I endorse Donald Trump in any way. It just um, we don't, at least him being elected or whatever. But it's just funny to watch the way that this, like, it's a media circus. I mean, this whole thing is just a freaking circus. So the way it's playing out. Since you played that one, yes, sir. Uh, Right above it, in the secret folder, if you open that up. Okay. Uh, Ron Paul, the Trump KKK controversy is a media plant. Play that. It comes from CNN. Oh, Ron Paul say this? Yeah. um, Perfect. Wow, I'm I'm in good company here. 
facts about, about this hullabaloo over David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan? Well, it's pretty amazing, uh, and our campaign has a lot of involvement. It's interesting that the media is able to create the issue, the Ku Klux Klan. You, you know, I don't even know if there's a hundred people in the country that even know about it. Of course, it has to be uh, condemned. But why? Why are people able to bring this up? No politician would want it to be brought up. So it has to be, you know, a plant by the media to instigate it and try to make accusations. So, to, to me, it is you know just part of the process. Which I, you don't blame Donald Trump. You blame well, the media he, for bringing this up. Of course, he should do it because he. Yeah, let's blame him, and then it's blaming the media for you know track tracking him. And but the whole thing is, is why did it come up? Sure, we can blame Donald Trump. I blame him for everything else. So blame him. But the, it's the whole, how did this become the issue today? The first question you ask on Super Tuesday is the Ku Klux Klan. That's unbelievable to me. This has been condemned, and they have been marginalized. Nobody cares about them. They're evil. They're monsters. And yet now it's going to be the issue of the day. That, that to me should be the issue. Is how in the world do these things occur? Why aren't we talking about the military-industrial complex, the Federal Reserve, the deficits, the intrusion of our privacy, and all the intrusions of our liberties which are never touched, the protectionism that's going on and presented, the socialism versus well, national I, populism. Those are the issues. I, I, but today, think that, I think it's that, that many voters would have... I understand. And the reason I asked you was because Paul Ryan just spoke out about it and David Duke threw his yeah, support behind Donald Trump. That's why I asked you about it. Just to be clear, just to be clear. But I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So let me ask you. <laughs> I love I that, man. Ron Paul's had that trick played on him a few times well i think remember the whole thing his he's got a blogger and the blogger a lot of people said it was uh what's his name who was supportive of the the nationalist party or the race some sort of racist party yeah or I mean, the, he had some right. some person in his the ron paul newsletter yes wasn't yes. written by him and like one issue uh was very critical of uh, Martin Luther King Day, saying it should be called Kill Whitey Day or something. So some article written like thirty years ago, yeah, by somebody in his campaign, and, and they did the same thing to Rand Paul because yeah. he believes in property rights, and if you believe in property rights, a business can decide um, who they do business with, whether or not we like those. You know, the policies they come up with, it's supposed to be a free market. And that became, oh, you are against the Civil Rights Act. So, Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's exactly right. Why are we talking about this? I mean, we're going to, it's, you know. Right. You're, you're telling me that guy in the KKK shirt at, at the Trump rally that Trump kicked out, that's a real KKK member who was just there to support him. It wasn't uh, a plant Yeah, to try and make it look better. Well, and I, I think, so there was that right before this. I mean, it was kind of an orchestrated thing, and he handled that pretty well. Like, he demanded that the guy be kicked out and this and that, whatever. Because if he hadn't, it probably would have been, look, there's a KKK fan at the Trump rally, and he is just sitting there uh, happy about it. So, 
and uh, but anyway, I thought Ron Ron Paul's response is correct, and I mean, look how easy, uh, easily distracted, um, at least the media is into st- stupid controversies that don't affect people's lives whatsoever. Speaking of stupid controversies that don't affect people's lives, I was thinking about this on the way home from uh, work this evening. As uh, you know. Unemployment continues to uh, be a, a major problem. Home prices are, you know, unattainable. You know, more and more people are renting. Rent is sky high. People are worried we're headed into another depression or another recession or it's going to get at least deepen or worsen. Uh, we're fighting wars on multiple, you know, countries. There's an, a refugee crisis of, you know, thousands of displaced, you know, hundreds of thousands of displaced refugees, you know, flooding Europe. The fabric of Europe is being changed. And what is the American public talking about? Or at least the media and the American public? Uh, Super Tuesday? And the Oscars. Well, the Oscars are too... Oh, yeah. Oscars so white. They're too white. The Oscars are too white. (laughs) Did you you watch any of the Oscars? No, I saw that Sasha Baron Cohen, who I love... uh, (laughs) Had uh, he, he presented as Ali G and said that he was the token black guy, <laughs> well, which I, I thought was funny. But yeah, I, I continued my lifelong streak of never not, watching the Oscars. Never watching the Oscars. Yeah. Congratulations! I also maintained that streak. But I mean, I swear this country's going to go to hell in a handbasket, and we're going to be arguing over race and like race, like who's on TV. And I say that as a joke about this Oscars oh. thing, except that it's it's not even that superficial. Go ahead. Oh, I guess I didn't. Did I? Um, okay. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't clip. I don't have the clip. But um, MSNBC is doing this whole um, Donald Trump's a horrible racist thing, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So they got the anchor, um, some lady I didn't recognize, and some expert, the analyst, talking about how Donald Trump's a horrible racist and how, um, you know, all minorities should be against him and what have you. So she interrupts him and she says, we're getting news that we're getting um, some footage uh, from a, a Trump rally. Yeah, we're going to we're going to show that now. And it's an African American guy <laughs> that they're interviewing uh the clip they cut to and he's like, "You know, it's not about race. We're all Americans." Like um I'm talking to my my new friend here about things and sit next to a white guy and he's like, "It's Racism, it's, he's like, race is not the big issue. There's other big issues out there. And I support Donald Trump. <laughs> and cuts back, and the lady is just uh, mortified, right? Because it totally contra- contradicted their whole segment. It had to have been deliberate sabotage by um, you know, someone on the crew that hated her guts or whatever, because it just made the entire... Um, show look ridiculous. She goes back to the analyst, and he acts like he never heard any of that. He's, <laughs> <laughs> and just kept going. Where it, it was pretty funny, but uh, but even even aside from the media tricks that we're seeing, 
Uh, I work with a young gal at at at, at work. Um, she's a student. She is going into the medical field, and she is currently in in school, obviously. And um, we joke around about it, her and I, because it, she's supposed to be studying, you know, to become, you know, something in the medical field, right? But she has to take like these race relations courses, and it's like <laughs> two or three courses she has to take, and she she. <laughs> She hated the idea of having to do it, so she decided to take them all in this one quarter, and that's what she's been doing this whole quarter. And and like every time I you know see her, she's you know working on the books, work got her books out, and she's working on stuff. Um, and I just we laugh about it because she literally has to like present a paper on like how the different cultures around the world raise their children. And she finds it to be very uh, offensive because it's, she was raised a certain way, but it's looked at as like a negative way because right. she was raised in it by an international family. And so it's funny because she's supposed to be studying to go into the medical field. And every time I see her, she's like, I have to write a new paper on why it's uh, how identifying as a certain gender can affect your ability to get a job. And why it's important to raise your kids in a race-neutral family. <laughs> and these are the papers she's writing in order to become a person in the medical field. And it's like, this is what every college student is having to do. And I, we joked around the other day that one day, you know, America is going to crumble while we're all arguing over whether or not uh, there's enough black people at the Oscars or, you know, Mexicans or, or whatnot. Um, and it's, it's literally all she does for this entire quarter is just write baloney. And, and I asked her at one point, I said, are you main, like, you know, are you maintaining your, your point of view and able to say it? She says, I, I am, but it's getting harder and harder, especially when they're talking about the international, you know, ways that children are raised. Cause she thinks that the way that her parents raised her was fine, but to the people at school, that would be like, they, you know, they basically like told her to go to school and get good grades or else she would be in trouble. And is, is she of Asian descent? <laughs> she may, may be of Asian descent. <laughs> but it's like, you know, they're like, this is a terrible way to raise your kids. Don't you guys think? And she's like, uh. <laughs> so the, uh, but it's, it's like, it's so, it's weird. It's like everyone is trying so hard to be politically correct, but they're offending people. Like this is not the way to do it. Like that's how I was raised. Yeah. Well, the, um, so the, they've done studies and you can, um, throw out every other variable, um, economic status, race, everything else. The biggest predictor of, student grades is parental expectation. Wow. So if the, if the parents, um, if their expectation is, Hey, C's are good. The kid's most likely going to get C's. If the parents and, um, Asian parents are notorious for this. Say you'd better get straight A's or else guess what? The kid's going to get, straight A's or pretty darn close to it. She may or may not have gotten straight A's. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's got to sit there and argue and like talk about how, how it, you know, that, that, that we should raise kids without these expectations of gender identity or race parenting or all this other stuff. And she has to continue week in and week out to write these papers 
to the point that she's like, I don't think some of these teachers understand that I have other classes, but they got to write in two, three papers a week just to prove that she can understand racially neutral things. And in, even in debate forums, she's like having to defend her culture because it's like not actually um, – What's the word that they always use? Acceptance. Uh, not acceptance, but uh, um, a respect. You know, it's not actually respect for uh, diversity. Not actually like diversity. Or tolerance. Or, yeah. Not actually, thank you. That's the exact word I'm looking for. It's not actually tolerance for other cultures. It's no tolerance for any culture. It's right. Adaptation it's, of a secular, relativistic, hum- liberal world. Humanistic. Yes, worldview that puts man above all else and man that identifies as whatever. I mean, it just, I don't even know. It's just, it's depressing. It's just, it's a joke we have every time I see her. Hey, what's, uh, what are you doing now? She's like, oh, you know, just writing a paper about blah, 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 blah. It's like, hmm. There you go. And she is very bright. She is going to be. You know, she's just working this job at work uh, part time and she's going to go on and do other things. But she has to, like, you know, funnel herself into this small little window where she has to try to defend her own culture, which I think is just lame. It's lame. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're putting all the kids through. And they look on TV and they're arguing over what? Who is there enough, you know, uh, uh, black people or uh, people of color elected into uh, nominated for Academy Awards? And then, hey, did you hear Donald Trump didn't categorically deny the support of KKK people? I'm like, this is literally what we talk about. It's so disgusting. Like, it's, <laughs> and then we get people, you know, that look at us and say, why are they talking about the sports ball? It's like, well, the sports ball is slightly more interesting than all of this made up manufactured culture that that happens around us. I actually use sports ball in a serious sense. I, <laughs> I do apologize for that. Um, <laughs> is my my rant over now? This is, does the sports ball come from the Simpsons? Is you, it the origin you, of you it? You thought it was the Simpsons last time. I don't know. I think I, I do have a couple of, of uh, hoity-toity acquaintances that use the sports ball. No, I've, I've heard a lot of people use it. So. Alright, we need a uh, we need some words of wisdom from Dr. Future. <laughs> okay. So it I don't wanna I, I don't wanna kill his page views, so I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Alright, so today's blog post from Dr. Mike Bennett is vote for Pedro. <laughs> Friends, tomorrow. Oh, this the one thing about this that I find to be extremely humorous is that it makes me think that Doctor Future has watched the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Wait, and what? I would love to, what? Am I ruining this? You, your okay. suspicions are correct, sir. That's exactly what he's talking about. Of course it is, but that me that just gives me a mental picture of. Can you imagine sitting downstairs in the movie theater in the Future household and watching? Napoleon Dynamite with Dr. Future. I've never been to the Future household. Well, I have. There's a viewing room full of <laughs> strange DVDs. And to sit in there and watch Napoleon Dynamite it should be on my bucket list. Well, this I wish he would have asked me if I had seen Napoleon Dynamite because it would have been the first time I'd ever been able to answer him yes to the question, Hey, have you ever seen... <laughs> 
it's always like some <laughs> 1970s B movie that it, what cracks me up sci-fi. Is, <laughs> what cracks me up is we both laugh. I claim I don't know, and then he immediately assumes because you're the brighter of the two of us that you know, and then I just laugh hysterically because I know that he is just off his off his rocker. <laughs> He's not so, off his rocker, but his his uh, his references are a bit obscure, but a little, not, little not esoteric. This part. Everyone's seen Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, so here we go. All right, friends. Tomorrow I have to cast the primary vote in Tennessee for the upcoming presidential election. Technically, you don't have to, Doctor Future, but anyway, I think we can all agree this has been some kind of disturbing election season. Amen which I think pretends a work God is going to do to show us who we as Americans, and in particular Christians, truly are in the eyes of God and everyone else. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'm going to tell you, suggest the kind of person to vote for. Vote for Pedro. Those of you who are now confused or think I'm being racist are obviously the few who have not seen the wonderful and insightful and funny 2004 movie Napoleon Dynamite. The heroes of the movie were trio of geeky outcasts at school the types we all knew or better yet as in my case were one of the main story elements was a competition for school student body president between a socially awkward mexican transfer student pedro whose shyness reveals the courage and daring or madness he exhibited and even deciding to run and the domineering insider the popular and beautiful cheerleader summer while her many popular friends posted vote for summer signs everywhere she probably did not have to compete for prom queen. Pedro's buddy Napoleon sported the now societally popular phrase, vote for Pedro, using an old iron-on puffy transfer on a t-shirt. As the movie's many viewers fondly recall, Pedro was ready to get his head handed to him in the election when the school assembly beforehand let Summer and her cheerleader friends use their sex appeal in a dance number, contrasted to Pedro's unassuming and unimpressive speech, until Napoleon saved the day with the most exotic dance number ever put to celluloid. <laughs> most exotic is probably a good word for it. Uh, the message of this aspect of the film is more relevant now than ever. They contrast the two kinds of people in the world. The insiders, the summers, and the outsiders, the Pedros. We in the public make numerous value judgment each day over who our friends are or those we want, the leaders we want to follow, the people we want to trust and then purchase from, the company we keep, and the kinds of people we aspire to be like. In this context, the Pedros never have a chance when it comes to earning our devotion, wallets, endorsements, and emulation. And it, it goes on from there. But um, So check it out at uh, Dr. Future's blog, which is... Three Spies Report. Two. Oh, excuse me. I always mess that up. TwoSpiesReport.wordpress.com. Yeah. So, anyway, so there you go. Dr. Future's take is not vote for Bernie Sanders. Although, I can see the Pedro Bernie Sanders. Hmm. 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 Is, is Bernie Sanders the most Pedro-ish of the presidential candidates? I don't know. And to be clear, I think we mentioned I, before I, that he was leaning towards Bernie. And then we had a listener email us say, hey, where's the... Where's the special? Where's the sauce? Where's the sauce material on that? And I don't have any. Uh, he just, uh, I think, on our show reference. No, you were you were referencing his the uh, interview you did. Yeah, a conversation we did in December. So, 
no no sauce on that other than our own show. Um. Anyway, good good post from Doctor Future. Uh, oh, it's okay. Should we take a Super Tuesday break? No, absolutely. It's okay. like a, away from Super Tuesday, right? Yes, thank goodness. Anything yeah. else? All right. Um, two stories, uh, both somewhat not well-known sources, so make of it what you will. Seems fairly legitimate, both stories, though. All right. So the first one, uh, President signs bill making Internet service tax ban permanent. So it seemed like good news, right? Okay. Uh, While federal law has long blocked most states from collecting taxes on Internet service, that prohibition has to be renewed every few years. But today, President Obama signed into law a new piece of legislation that makes existing bans permanent and puts an end date on Internet taxes for the few states that still collect them. The Internet Tax Freedom Act was first passed back in 1998 with the intention of encouraging consumers to get online by not taxing access to things like dial-up or DSL internet access. The legislation has never addressed the issue of collecting taxes for online purchases. More on that below. In typically short-sighted D.C. fashion, the bill was structured so that it needed to be periodically renewed, a process that's undergone five times in the years since. The original Tax Freedom Act also included a grandfather provision for the dozen or so states that had already been collecting taxes on Internet access. Many of those states subsequently decided to seize collecting that tax. There have been various legislative attempts to make the ban permanent over the years, but they either got bogged down by partisan politics or caught up in the controversial debate about online sales tax collection. In order to bypass that problem, in December 2015, the Senate appended the text of what had been the permanent uh, Internet Tax Freedom Act into a a much more pressing legislative matter, H.R. 644, the Trade Facilitation and Trade Enforcement Act of 2015, which, among other things, authorizes funding for Customs and Border Protection and which was designed to eventually be signed into law. The amendment itself is rather simple. It removes the end date on the existing tax ban, thereby making it permanent. Additionally, it establishes an end date of June 30th, 2020 for those few states, Hawaii, New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota, Texas, and Wisconsin, that are still collecting sales tax on Internet services. Earlier this month, that bill glided through the Senate, passing with a vote of 75 to 20. The legislation does not resolved the hotly contested issue of taxes for online purchases. Back in 1992, in Quill v. North Dakota, the Supreme Court ruled that in order for a state to force a business to collect sales tax, that business must also have some sort of physical presence in the state. That case involved office supply company Quill and an effort by North Dakota to compel the company to collect sales tax on orders shipped to customers in the state, arguing that Quill's advertising catalogs Uh, along with software that customers could use to track Quill inventory and place orders, effectively established enough of a presence to force Quill to collect the tax. The Supremes disagreed, ruling that the enforcement of this tax collection would be uh, overly detrimental to interstate commerce in violation of the Commerce Clause. And even though that ruling was made in a pre-Amazon world, that's how things have stood for more than 20 years. Facing pressure from bricks-and-mortar retailers, and seeing tax revenues sag as a growing number of people went online to buy things, 
Some states have either rewritten their laws to redefine physical presence so that Amazon and others would have little choice but to collect taxes. Additionally, Amazon and others have made deals with some states to collect these taxes in exchange for being able to open new distribution centers and warehouses. But this still leaves a handful of states that don't have the statutory authority or anything they can point to as a physical premise for these online retailers. Sick of waiting for Congress to maybe hammer out a deal, they're looking to force the issue. Um, The Wall Street Journal reports that several of these states are getting creative. For example, Utah is considering legislation that would include certain third-party delivery services under the physical presence definition. Some have dubbed this nuisance legislation that is only intended to force Congress's hand to finally draft a uh, definitive legislation that applies to all states. Then there's Colorado, where state law now requires out-of-state retailers to provide the state a list of in-state customers. That law was upheld earlier this week by a federal appeals court. Okay. Um, Washington does have sales tax. Oregon doesn't. Um, Do you pay sales tax on Amazon purchases? Mm, Yes. Yes, yeah. Um, And it's Amazon that puts it on there. It's not it's not the seller exactly. Well, I mean sometimes Amazon is the seller. But sometimes do you even have Amazon do you even Amazon Prime, bro? <laughs> um maybe that's why no one gets my book online anymore cuz I don't have distribution through Amazon. I just I mail it myself. Um but uh Anyway, so that's mainly good news, right? Right. I'm having a hard time following, but yes, I think. Okay. So, basically, uh, you're not going to pay sales tax on broadband services, internet service. So, when you order your internet service from your local internet service provider, you don't pay tax on that. Okay. Always been like that or since 1998, right? Right. Um, except in a few states that already had taxes in place. Right. So, which, um, so, unlike other services, if it costs $40, the bill you get should be actually $40, not $48 or $44. Um, seems like a good thing. Uh, good news for my industry, since for the most part, people don't really care if there's taxes. They just care what the total price is, right? Right. So uh, not having tax makes it appear cheaper than if it is taxed. Um, then there's this story. FCC commissioner, uh, internet tax to come after election. Uh, Federal Communication Commission Commissioner Ajit Pai said the FCC should not impose a broadband tax in the stealthy darkness of the next Washington winter. The long-awaited internet tax could arrive right after the November elections. A member of the Federal Communications Commission told the Heritage Foundation on Friday thanks to the commission's net neutrality regulations passed last year. Everybody remember that? Mm -hmm. Net neutrality? Okay. Thus far, all we've been told is that no decision on broadband taxes will be made until after the D.C. Circuit decides whether the FCC's regulations are legal, FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai said. 
one might reasonably suspect that this decision is conveniently being put off until after the November elections. Friday was the one-year anniversary of the Open Internet Order passed by the FCC, which reclassified broadband providers as telecommunication carriers. That classification allows the FCC to impose what is known as a universal service fee on Internet service, just like there is on phone service, which is generally in the range of 20% of a consumer's total bill. That number seems high to me. I don't know that it... 20% seems high. Right. Universal service fee. I don't... On a typical phone line, if it's a $40 phone line, the tax on it's usually about 5 bucks. Yeah. So one-eighth, not one-fifth. But it's still substantial. Um, so if you're paying 60 bucks a, much, a month for internet and they tack this same fee on there, um, you know, they're saying you'd be looking at $12 in tax. I'm saying I, I don't expect it to be that much, but it might be like, Seven or eight dollars. Okay, so right now, so I, the, I just so I hold on, it's just quick okay. time out. I just upgraded, right? We talked about this. Yes. My plan is forty nine ninety nine. Bill, fifty four sixty two or something. Well, you so is that your first bill? Yeah, but no, I mean that's 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 with the uh, activation. I mean the activation fee is actually a hundred bucks. So, but my first bill is one hundred and four sixty two or whatever, uh, or not one hundred four. But uh, the activation fee aside, my billed amount is fifty four sixty two, meaning that I was billed forty nine ninety nine. But then they added is it, is it sales tax? That's the other thing. I don't have the bill in front of me. No, it it, it cannot legally be sales tax. Really? Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I always being, thought Comcast was on the up and up when it bills people. <laughs> You'd be have shocked. I been have I been taken for a ride? No, they probably stuck in a. Um, uh, did they stick in a fee f- for a router? No, nope, I bought my own. Go ahead, make your point. Sorry, I'm going to log in and actually get my exact numbers. Okay, but. It, what it, what I'm saying is if it's your first bill, it might not be for an exact month. And that could be the you might have a prorated partial month plus a month. So oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so the universal service fee, the FCC collects all this money. So um, and then it goes into this giant fund, which then gets passed out to telecommunications providers. Uh Supposedly to help serve underserved areas. Um, it's a very political process, and it's also one that is uh, fraught with loopholes and basically fraud. Um, so let's say I am CenturyLink, and I say, "Look, we we are the main." Um, telco provider in the state of Oregon and we're the main provider of internet and look at all these areas that don't have access to broadband services all these huge areas that we serve that you know we can't afford to bring them broadband so we need um, millions of dollars in order to do so so the federal government will say okay here's 10 million dollars and here's the areas you said needed the um the coverage, you have to get X percentage of people access to broadband in within five years with this money. 
CenturyLink can turn around and say, well, um, even though you know we pointed to all these areas without the service, that's really not a very profitable area for us. So we're going to pump the money into fiber optic in Portland and um, <laughs> a couple other places where we've got competition hand over fist um, to give ourselves a competitive advantage. And then we'll say, oh, look, look at all this broadband we're providing to all these uh, thousands and thousands of people and just sneak in the, you know, fix the books and, and make it look like they're providing broadband services. So what you end up with is uh, lots of money flowing to the federal government and from the federal government to really big uh, telco companies and not much infrastructure being developed in rural areas, which is supposed to be the whole point. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So it's kind of, it's a racket. It is a racket and it's a racket. There's also funding for, uh, schools, libraries, things like that. It, that you have to jump through all these hoops to get. Um, and then they just decide if you get it or not and what percentage and it's based on, uh, the percentage of students that are on reduced or free lunch programs. Right. So. See, my father actually is on. Uh, he's a bit out in the in the in in the sticks a little bit. He's in Oklahoma City area, but he is across the river and kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and has had a hard time ever getting fast internet service because there's just not enough for rural customers. Right. Um, I got I got to pull it up right now. Okay. I have an Xfinity bundle, which means I get like some sort of like laughable amount of channels that aren't even in HD, but it's just a cheap internet, so I went with it. Right. Forty nine ninety-nine. Broadcast TV fee. Oh, the tax on that. Okay. Three dollars twenty-five cents. But if you hadn't gotten the TV, they would have charged you more for the internet. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there is a total taxes and fees of three thirty nine. Right, but the so the total taxes and fees most likely either all fees or there there is tax on uh, that they can charge on TV or if you had phone service. There is that, so TV. total taxes and fees is three thirty nine. So does that mean, huh? So the extra four cents is tax on the broadcast TV fee. (laughs) (laughs) I knew what I was getting into. I mean, I just fell asleep at the wheel with the DSL because it was the same amount every month. I just didn't want to deal with this hassle, but whatever. Here we are. Welcome to <laughs> welcome to America. My dad told me a long time ago when he got into the internet service providing business in the nineties. He said, "Son, it's like the mafia walked in to every town in America and." Divided it up, cut lines down streets, and one side got one, and the other side got the other, and you got no other choice. You go with that phone company, or you don't. Right. And it's still like that in most places, unfortunately. It's, yeah, there was some um, supposedly regulation. Yeah. That, but what it really was is deregulation, mm-hmm. where it allowed some competition. Like you, you had to let people take their phone numbers with them. You had to allow access. So 
Is CenturyLink a Seattle-based organization? Um, their billing statements come from Phoenix. Oh, wow. Okay. But, um, I don't know where they're... <laughs> I don't know where the monster started. I mean, because it, it wasn't CenturyLink before, right? It was Quest. CenturyTel. Uh, well, before well, Quest was the Quest and Quest was the part merger that, after merger after merger, yeah. and eventually you got CenturyLink. So yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, I uh, I guess long story short, uh, just say no to the internet tax, but you. Notice how it's not a it's not a campaign issue. No. So they're not going to pass it through Congress. They're going to say, "Oh, you know that regulation where we said we can um, the FCC has authority over the internet now." Yeah, we're going to put some fees on there just to make the to make the internet affordable for everyone. That's that's how it'll be spun. We have, have to make it more expensive to make it affordable for people. But it won't be a campaign issue because the media. Namely, NBC slash Comcast, whatever right. horrible behemoth they are <laughs> now, um, would never want to talk about this. No. Nope. Well, and Comcast owns NBC now, or MSNBC now, right? Comcast owns all of NBC. All of NBC. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's That was my point. Did they... Buy it from General Electric, or does General Electric still have a big chunk of it? I don't know. I feel like I, I knew that, but now you got me wondering. NBC, Comcast. of NBC Universal by Comcast. Da, 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 da. All right. In 2009, Comcast announced its intent to acquire a majority stake in the media conglomerate NBC Universal from General Electric. Comcast was, at the time, the largest cable provider. Proposal, opposition, approval of acquisition. On January 18, 2011, the FCC and the United States Department of Justice approved the acquisition. Four months later, Meredith Atwell Baker, the FCC commissioner who approved the deal, was hired as a lobbyist by Comcast. In 2011, Comcast agreed to offer Internet Essentials, five five down... uh, 1.5 1.5 megabits up upload for as low as 9.95 a month for low-income families with children with discounts on a desktop or lap computer and free training available for three years as a condition of the FCC approval for its Comcast acquisition of NBC Universal of an estimated 2.6 million household el- households eligible for the program 0.22 million household participate in the program as of June 2013. A similar program is available from internet providers through nonprofits connect to compete.org and Comcast has started the program uh, stated that the program will accept new customers for a total of three years in March 2014 as he met with FCC concerning the time Warner cable merger, Comcast Vice President David Cohen told reporters that the Internet Essentials program will be extended indefinitely. Whatever. (laughs) So it's going to be extended indefinitely, but we're just not helping more than 75% of the people that need it. And they don't need sock. We're going to give them fast Internet for that. No, exactly. It's it's exact, literally the exact Internet (laughs) I just came from. Um, And... Let's all point out that, that that's probably a tax write-off. 
Right. Yeah. For them. This is, what was the, the cost of doing business? Actually, so, because who was Comcast trying to buy? They were, or someone was trying to buy Comcast. Well, it was the Time Warner. Time Warner was buying. No, it was a Time Warner merger that they didn't ever with, get done. With Comcast, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So as part of that deal, they um, were going to swap with Charter in a few places. Mm-hmm. And um, Hood River was one of those places that was going to go from Charter to Comcast. Right. And they had actually gone far enough that uh, em- I know employees there, and they're told, oh, you're now a Comcast tech- technician, and they went through training, and they got a raise because Comcast technicians get paid more than charter technicians. So he gets a $3 an hour raise for like two months, and then the whole thing falls apart, and he goes back to charter, and they give him a $3 pay cut. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, anyway, so that <laughs> I know of at least one person that was rooting for that merger to go through for that <laughs> <laughs> for that reason. But no, it's um, I'll tell you what what you want out there, people, is you want competition. You want freedom and competition. Um, and if you have it for internet service providers, they will invest and they will drop their prices in order to compete with each other. If you just have one provider, guess what? Those prices are, they they will find excuse after excuse to go up and up and up. That's so, right. That's why, and, and that's and why a you... lot of places are stuck with, you know, just Comcast and no other real fiber or high speed, you know, higher than, low-level DSL option. On a much, much smaller level, you want car dealerships to import cars from Canada because they can drop the prices extremely right. low <laughs> and you can buy a, the used cars from Canada that Canadians don't want in the first place in a lot of cases. Um, but the government's going to stop that too. So, Did they put a stop to it? Oh, yeah. Yep. So right now, so uh, yeah, actually, used car inventories across the Seattle area have dropped recently. As, okay. Um, there's now a mandatory 45 to 90 day quarantine for all cars being imported from Canada. What if I? The US. Uh, what happens with dealerships? Um, what if it's just like one car? Like I go to Canada and buy a car. I think we're all. I think it's all. It's all over now. Really, they, they yeah, would quarantine I think it, that. Too? I would. I would think that they they're doing it to everything, because wow. the the wait period was thirty was three days before. Now they've bumped up to forty five and ninety days, and what that does is it's kind of brilliant in a way because uh, dealerships have to floor their inventory. They either have to have it paid for on loan from a bank or they have to pay for it themselves. Any cars that they do have, especially if there's a lien against them. Uh, or not a lean against them yet, but does that make sense? Like they, the dealership has to at all times have either the car in their possession or it paid for in order to count right. it as their stock for, for okay. tax purposes and whatnot. When so you they have, don't have it there, they have to have it paid for. Yes. And if you don't have it there, 
flooring a car so you can get a bank to come in and say, okay, we'll vouch for this car. We'll pay for this car until it gets here. And then the, when the auditors come through, these say, hey, this, you know, these, these, car, these are the ones that are floored. These are super expensive or this or that or whatever. But at this point, what they've done is they've just – they've basically – all the little people that were trying to do it, done – only a few big players left that can even be, attempt to do it, and you're going to have to wait 90 days. So you'll actually have to pay for your car as a dealership before you before you ever take delivery of wow. it, uh, which is just it's just not gonna it's not gonna work. They're gonna put a stop to it. So they've kind of turned that spigot off. And I don't know. I'd love to hear from Canadian listeners to see how it's affecting the used car market up there. What if a so what if a um. Canadian up mm-hmm. there, let's say they're in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get some buddies together. Yeah, buy some cars, drive them down, sell them to dealerships in Washington. You know, and all drive back in the in one car they have got left or whatever. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's is there rules there might, against? There might be another purchasing way. used cars from Canadians. I don't know. That's a good question. There is a rule against... Uh, per- yeah, there might be. That's a good question. I know you can't personally sell a car to a Canadian without actually taking it to the border, and then both of you have to present your intentions and all this other stuff. It's so- Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So who knows if you could do it the other way. I, I had a friend that sold a car to a Canadian, and he had to take it up, and they both presented papers, and then the car went into the three-day quarantine. Now with a 45- or 90-day quarantine, yeah. I think all your all your personal ones are just they're out the window. Yeah. And only, based, only people that's going to be left is dealerships that can afford to floor the cars or pay for them. There, there was a time, um, and I was living in Phoenix at the time, so I kind of assumed it was like this other places, but I don't think it was where Hummers were like, Oh yeah. It was a craze. Absolute craze. So dealerships could not keep them in stock. Right. And I, I had a friend, people would pay like 20,000 over MSRP just to get one. So his, his job, um, was to fly to Denver, uh, go hop in a new Hummer at a dealership that his dealership had, had paid for, drive it to Phoenix, hop back on the plane, fly back, and do it again. Well, they and they probably paid him a lot less. It's interesting that they would do that. So, how far is that drive? I mean, it's a one. You could do it in in a day. Still, though, that's a lot of miles on a brand new car. Most yeah. nowadays they'll ship it. Right. So you, you run about a, yeah. You would think it was eight, it was some eight hundred to fifteen. It was a very short. Uh, it wasn't like for several years it was like that. It was a very short-term window that for whatever reason, they, I mean, Probably they couldn't faster. sell them fast enough. Probably faster. I think that yeah. you would do that if it was, yeah, it was faster. Because right now, 800 1500 bucks somewhere in there, anywhere, depending on where you're going, if you want it covered and how big the car is, you can send, ship a car anywhere in the U.S. Yeah. So... Well, it was not a Super Tuesday talk. No, I mean, goodness, we are all over the map. We're talking about uh, uh, schools. We're talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about uh, racism in America. We're talking about cars. We're talking about internet. Um, where do you want to go? Well, I just thought I'd point this story out. I don't remember my my angle when I put it in, but uh, 
I think that it's always nice to to remember this sort of stuff still happens. Johnson and Johnson sued, ordered to pay seventy two million in a suit linking talcum powder to ovarian cancer. And uh, thank you, Johnson and Johnson. Jacqueline Fox passed away in the fall, but her voice recently came alive in the St. Louis courtroom. Very sad story about how she used baby powder on her uh, private areas and eventually developed ovarian cancer because of it. And I just throw this in there just to remind people every every now and then we get, you know, I anyway feel backlash for saying or viewing or saying something or viewing something a certain way or deciding to purchase natural ingredients or whatever. Um, everybody, oh, they've they've tested it. They've te- they, they've tested it. It's all safe. <laughs> they've tested it. It's safe. Anything that's in the store is all kind of like that thing you were talking about last week, where America is like the the uh, the uh, baby proofed country, where everything's kind of right. safe, safe enough. There's guardrails on the the hikes and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, this is oh, it's safe. If they could sell it in America, it's safe. And I hear that crap a lot. And uh, here you go. You got a. a the example of the guy people have to pay 72 million to one lady for ovarian cancer how much more have been affected and didn't know it or whatever um you know just because it's sold at a local grocery store does not mean by any stretch of the imagination it's safe if there was one thing you could think was safe it would probably be johnson and johnson baby powder well in um when when our daughter was born uh one of the baby shower gifts was like Johnson Johnson shampoo and body wash stuff. Or it's all one thing, right? Right. And um, no tears. Yeah, and as gentle as water. And <laughs> so the the pediatrician in the hospital said, like, I know you probably already have Johnson Johnson stuff. Like, don't use it. Go get some natural stuff because otherwise it dry her skin out like crazy so and she was right but anyway did you end up using it um i i mean we did uh a few times but it does dry their skin out so <laughs> yeah you got to get the avino stuff which then they got bought by johnson and johnson so who knows how good it is now but yeah Um, lots of it's amazing how it's cheaper to dump a bunch of chemicals into something and I'm not saying that that particular product just in general how is it cheaper to have all these like dozens of ingredients as to having like three ingredients you know I don't, I don't know. know. I don't get it. I honestly don't. I mean, one thing I've been on a hunt for lately is, uh, and it just baffles baffles me, boggles the mind how hard it is to find, but uh, a decent aftershave that doesn't, it doesn't have like a million chemicals in it. And I, I found a, a, you know, I found one. Who, who needs aftershave? Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I, you know, maybe you don't need aftershave at all, but you know, you're shaving what three whiskers a day? Maybe I'm shaving my entire head. Oh, uh, yeah. You don't use aftershave at all. Three whiskers a day. If I go like three days without shaving, I've got a full-on beard 
going. But <laughs> so you, you're not a baby face then? No, no. Okay, well, would regardless of shaving my whole head over here, you don't need after no aftershave at all. Is that the answer? I've never used it. I don't know yeah. if it would. There you go. How about how about any type of cologne? No, I'm not a no. Me neither. But it's impossible to find, even if you start to look for it. Like I've only ever used aftershave, and I've mm-hmm. even tried looking at like cologne. But you're you're not you're not getting any kind of cologne. You're not getting any kind of aftershave that doesn't have zybadol, zorbadol. <laughs> I don't. Maybe it's it's just different iterations of the fluoride in the water thing, where you've got these waste products that are expensive to dispose of. And they figured out ways to dump them into other products and sell them instead. Yeah. If anybody can find, you know, I've I've experienced the same thing. I've been looking for for perfume for the wife. You're not going to get it. I honestly cannot find anything that is just not covered in stuff. And I mean the expensive stuff, too. Just full of chemicals. Yeah. Deodorant's Uh, a tough one. Yeah, deodorant's a tough one. Absolutely. All full of aluminum. Got some arm and hammer stuff that's like based on baking powder, so which could be bad. Yeah, but it doesn't have parabens and all the other junk. Take us somewhere. Ah, well, oh, I hate to go back to politics. This, but this is kind of happy, sort of. Um, from LouRockwell.com by uh, Pat Buchanan, which I think most people are familiar with. He had kind of an anti, somewhat anti-establishment presidential run back in the day. Uh, Ninety, early nineties, maybe. Yeah. Right in there. Um, the the first four Republican contests, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, produced record turnouts. While the prospect of routing Hillary Clinton and recapturing the White House brought out the true believers, it was Donald Trump's name on the ballot and his calls for economic patriotism, border security, and an end to imperial wars that brought out the throngs. The crowds that continue to come out for his appearances and the vast audiences he has attracted to GOP debates testified to his drawing power. Um, okay, yada yada. Uh, yet, with polls pointing to a t- possible Trump sweep on Super Tuesday, save Texas, his probable nomination and the chance for the GOP to take it all in the fall is causing some conservatives and Republicans to threaten to bolt, go third party, stay home, or even vote for Clinton. They would prefer to lose to Clinton than win with Trump. A conservative friend told it this writer that Trump, unlike, say, Ted Cruz, has never shown an interest in the Supreme Court, which Justice Antonin Scalia's seat vacant hangs in the balance. Yet surely a President Trump, hearing the clamor of those who elected him to find a Scalia, would be responsive. With President Clinton, the court is gone for a generation. We hear wails that the nomination of Trump would mean the end of the conservative movement. But how so? If Trump won and conducted a conservative government, it would validate the movement. If Trump one in turn left, it would inspire an insurgency like Ronald Reagan's in 1976 when the Ford Rockefeller Kissinger administration moved too far, too far toward detente. If 
Trump ran and lost, the conservative movement would have President Clinton to unite and rally the troops against. One recalls Barry Goldwater's historic wipeout in 1964. But in 1966, Republicans made the greatest gains in a generation and went on to win the presidency for 20 of the next 24 years. Undeniably, a Trump presidency would mean an end to the Bush and establishment policies on trade, immigration, and intervention. But those, I hope it would mean an end to the Bush policies on intervention, but that's yet to be seen. Uh, but those policies have always have already been repudiated in the primaries as they have been proven to be transparent failures for America. As long ago as the early 1990s, populist conservatives were imploring George H.W. Bush to, to secure our Mexican border as tens of thousands poured across in the San Diego-Tijuana corridor. Governor Pete Wilson turned near-certain defeat into a stunning comeback victory in 1994 by promising to send the National Guard. Why did the establishment not respond then to the electorate? Why, instead of trashing Wilson for imperiling future party prospects with the Hispanics, did the establishment not do what people had demanded and move decisively to secure a southern border? Um, what is conservative about uncontrolled borders? Why, as trade deficits with China and the world... Um, Okay, skipping, um, he says, who now thinks all these wars were worth the cost? Amen to that. Certainly not me. The Bernie Sanders insurgency appears to have been turned back by the vested interests of his party, but like the George McGovern insurgency in 72, which also relied heavily upon the enthusiasm of the young, Sanders' socialism may be the ideological future of his party. Same may be said of the Trump insurgency. Whatever happens at Cleveland, the returns from the primaries look like the passing of the old order, the death rattle of an establishment fighting for its life, and being laughed at and mocked as it goes down. As in 1964 and 1980, a new Republican Party is taking shape. Defections are to be expected, and not altogether unwelcome. Um, so that's his take on it, is kind of, well, let the establishment go down in flames uh, trying to stop Trump, which I'm all for the establishment going down in flames. I'm all for both political parties going down in flames. I'm all for the whole um, government going down in, I guess I should say, uh, metaphorical flames. Um, not convinced Donald Trump's going to do it, though. No, no, but it is funny to watch. I mean, the whole thing is quite humorous. One of the worst, or one of the things I took from your article there, there was a Ford Rockefeller Kissinger. Yeah, oh, Gerald I mean, Ford's administration with, uh, <laughs> I think um, Rockefeller was the vice president and Kissinger secretary of state. So he really didn't, I mean, have, he really didn't have any power at all. Like, he didn't really do much. Right. I mean, Kissinger, Kissinger's been around a long time. And him and Brzezinski just kind of trade off. That's why, that's why they're New World Order super gophers. That's true. That is true. Also, someone pointed out to me that this is the first... If, if Jeb really pulls out mm -hmm. of this race... This will be the first election, presidential election, that we've had since 1976 that did not involve a Bush. What do you mean? I mean... What, a, what about the last one? 
I guess that's true. Well, shoot. I guess it's, <laughs> I guess it's already all over. Thank you for pointing that out to me. So yeah, I guess it was all over in in '08, but still '08 to '76 is a heck of a run. Oh, uh, let's see, '76, '80, '84, '88. Uh, yeah, lost in '92. Well, what about? Uh, I guess '96. '96, it would have been who was that? Oh, well, that was Bob sure? Dole. Are they saying uh, Bush or Clinton? Because Bush or Clinton... Yeah, Bush or Clinton would easily which make that... it's the same crime family. Yeah. Is it the same crime family? Yes. The Bush Clintons? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there, like, proof of this? Or is this just the way you look at it? No, I mean, they're, like, best buddies. Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush are best friends. Hmm. And that the if if Clinton hadn't been the Democratic nominee, mm-hmm. I don't think H.W. Bush loses the general election. I think he, I think he uh, handed it over on purpose. But I'm sorry, say that again. So in '92, because Bush had only served one term. Mm-hmm. I think if Clinton hadn't, because Clinton was a little early, like they'd said, oh, he's an epic, he's kind of like Obama. Right. They're like, oh, you know, maybe next time around. But then he kind of caught fire and, oh, he's so amazing. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think that was a New World Order um, take one for the team, HW, and kick the election to Clinton. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that might that might be true. It was the whole thing was weird. I remember watching those debates as a kid. Just like these these are some weird dudes. Because I I mean look how easy it was for. Um. In modern history, it's it's fairly easy to get win that second term. Oh yeah, yep. you don't have any primary. He's pushback. the only person I can think of that hasn't won it. I think that, well, and then before that, Jimmy Carter. Right. But um, anyway, Jimmy Carter couldn't win because of Iran. It's a reality show. Um, it's a distraction, and if the Republican establishment is destroyed by this election, which I'm still not convinced that's going to happen, it doesn't mean the New World Order is destroyed. It doesn't mean the globalists are destroyed. Um, but it would be enjoyable. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with what you said last week where you said that the people who are attacking Trump make you almost want to be sympathetic to Trump. Right. When the Washington Post or the mainstream all the, media comes All the out. Lindsey Grahams. Yeah. yeah. And John McCain's and yeah. Yeah. But you're saying the enemy of your enemy is not your friend? Still no. your enemy? <laughs> yeah. So... As someone once told me after I'd um, helped me with the <laughs> what did I, what did I do? I think I helped him with the paper he was working on or something or it did him some some favor or other. He said, I'll kill you last. 
Well, nowadays, he would have been arrested immediately for that. Yeah. Guess what uh, profession he went into? Mortgage writer. Oh, that's a good guess. No. I'll give you one, I'll give you one more guess. Mm. Policeman. Yep, you got ding, ding, ding. You got it. True story. Seattle police release video of Shay Taylor shooting. Shay Taylor shooting. This is interesting because... Shay Taylor was a friend of a friend of a friend, like an acquaintance of a friend. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a, but I, I have a friend who was attending the funeral and helping organize it. Uh, acquaintance, I guess. Uh, but the point is still the same. Nine seconds between move in and the first gunshot, Seattle police pull over a guy. He was... It's interesting because apparently the guy is a convicted rapist. He served 26 years, gets out of jail... Um, I don't know. He may or may not be involved in a drug deal in, in this video. You can't tell, but we do see in the 40 seconds of the video as police roll up, tell him, put your hands like, so there's like two different cops yelling two different things. One says, put your hands up. So he puts his hands on top of the car that he's standing in front of. Um, and the next guy runs, like runs onto the scene, like even just behind him and says, get on the ground. And so the guy, the guy kind of hesitates to get on the ground because he was just told to put his hands on the car. So then he decides, okay, I'll just get on the ground. He gets on the ground, and apparently the policeman saw a gun within reach of him. So they just shot him a bunch of times mm. while he laid on the ground. Mm. The excuse was he had a gun within reach. But, I mean, that, I mean, is that a reason to shoot somebody five times in the back while they're laying on the ground? Because there's a gun within reach, I just I, I would not think so, no. But it, it's going crazy. Black Lives Matter protesting in Seattle about this one, and then all you know, so everybody's Black Lives Matters here. We got to get out and protest. And other people are saying, "Why we don't care about this scumbag? He's a rapist. You guys aren't telling the whole story." And it's just more of the same baloney. Um, I don't think that a rapist deserves to be shot five times in the back while laying on the ground. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, especially one that served 26 years for whatever for for mm-hmm. whatever you know shade of rape it was. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's just that's just more more of the same. You know that one that one because of his past is probably not going to blow up too big. Um, but there you go. You threw these stories in. I, I you got to cover them. You got to get me some Justice Scalia news here. <laughs> Oh, it was kind of right after our last show. Yeah, I know, but it's still worthy of talking about. I mean, I thought it was. You th- you okay. think it, unless you think it's too passe. No, no. It's... That's what you said last time. Too passe to question <laughs> Scalia now. <laughs> yeah, to question his death. Um, all right, some interesting uh, from the Vigilant Citizen. So, and... Uh, the creator of that site, if you ever want to see all the Illuminati imagery and stuff broken down from whatever big event was on TV, that's your site there, Vigilant Citizen. Absolutely. Um, I'd recommend just either skipping it all together or just skipping the actual event and just watching their breakdown of it. But Yeah. Um, So the headline is, Judge Scalia was with members of an elite secret society when he died. 
Judge Scalia died at a gathering of the International Order of St. Hubertus, an elite secret society that dates back to the 1600s. Of course he did. Yeah. If I could tell you the number of if I if I had to count the number of times I was in an elite secret society meeting. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's how uh, fraternal groups are, is they're all interlocked. Like, there's not, like, you don't just belong to the Masons. Like, there's all sorts of subcategories. Sub yeah. yeah. And they're also re- all really old. There's no, like, Hoffman clan of, you know, 1983 well, or anything like this. And so this is just speculation. But I almost wonder if the... Um, the way that political party establishments maintained so much control in the past uh, was partially due to all those fraternal groups. Hmm. You know, if there was like the word went out, like, Hey, we're, we're going with, if you're a Democrat, you're voting for this guy. And if you're a Republican, you're voting for this guy. Um, Cause the, there was enough participation in those to make a real difference. Now there's, I mean, there's really not. You can look at gatherings of these groups, and yes, very old. Uh, certainly, quite a bit of money still around, but there's also, uh, you know, the Masonic Lodge in Hood River is for lease because there's no one that actually goes and meets there anymore. So, um, good for you. My my uh, local population is entirely too old to make a radical change that way. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay, so the 35 other guests were all part of this International Order of St. Hubertus. Um, and is it this story? Yes, okay. So they've got this, uh, it's a crucifix with antlers sticking out on the sides of it. So Jesus Christ between antlers meant to represent St. Hubertus's vision. Um, and then, of course, you got like... Seems the, legit. Yeah. A display of horn skulls with cryptic inscriptions on them. Uh, looks pretty satanic to me. Uh, seems legit. <laughs> uh, the double-headed eagle. Um, I mean... <laughs> Where else would that be? Yeah. <laughs> What's a secret okay. society without an, without the double-headed eagle? Double-headed eagle, yeah. Or an eagle in general. Right. So, it's uh, definitely fishy. <laughs> so, Supreme Court Supreme Court Justice, and it's, this wasn't like debunked as a conspiracy theory, right? Like, he met with Obama on... On the, the way there. The day before, yeah. Yeah. So he meets with Obama. Goes Nothing's on a really hunt, known. hunting trip with the... Goes on a hunting trip. Everybody Secret says, society. Seems fine, and he's and he's dead. And uh, don't worry, natural causes. Nothing to see here. Cremate him. Done. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's and and yet still, are, is the Republican just establishment just really that dumb? 
that they just came out and said, we're not giving hearings to any to any nominee that Obama puts forward. No hearings. That's, I mean, that's what you talked about in the last show. But yes, it, yeah. I don't know. It, you, yeah, you talked about that in the last I, show. I still have a hard time believing that was... That they're that dumb? Yeah. Well, believe it, bud. Believe it. Okay. That is exactly how dumb they are. Do you think Obama is dumb enough to try and get someone into the Supreme Court without having him go through Senate confirmation? Um, I feel like it's possible that they've just set him up to be able to do so. Because if they continue to pull this, like, we don't need another one for the next 10 months or however long it is. I think he'll wait to see how the general election's going. Like, if Hillary's 10 points up, who cares, right? He'll just hand it off. Maybe she'll nominate him. You know? <laughs> He's a lawyer. Well, it's... He's a constitutional lawyer. It's a hard job. He may or may not have gone to college and may or may not have studied law and all that stuff. He may or may not have got straight D's. Was he raised in an international family? What was the great expectation in his household? (laughs) Was he raised to assume to be an African-American or did did they address him as a Caucasian American? So, well, the, there was clearly questions. some expectation that he'd be able to play basketball, and that didn't happen. So. <laughs> oh, that was a hilarious! That was one funny part when all of John Oliver took down Trump in that episode. He referenced a uh, a uh, if I could find it, maybe I'll play the clip at the end of the show. But it's a clip of a man in the Senate going on and on and on about a possible like invisible basketball game as like a metaphor but with the president <laughs> I will play a clip see if I can find it real quick to play and get your reaction but uh, it was good and Obama has other than Charles Barkley one of the worst golf swings I've ever seen <laughs> you have not you have not seen Tom Bionic's uh, <laughs> golf swing my friend and, and Tom Bionic's beautiful wife is probably listening and uh, I can assure her and anyone else that may question me, his golf swing is worse than Obama's. No. Yes. It, what what it, about? It looks a lot like a lumberjack trying to top <laughs> chop down a tree. <laughs> well, he's not. He's not a, a golfer, though. No, not at all. Well, see. I mean, those are it's kind a, of two different things. Obama a, agreed, plays like agreed, agreed. You know, he plays a ton he plays of golf, fifty or to a hundred rounds of golf a year, he, which he does. Which he does. Yeah, totally, totally different. But I mean, if you never play golf, you're not going to be good at it. But <laughs> he's, yeah. It's when's yeah. the last time you swung the sticks, my friend? Uh, Saturday. Man, you are awesome. Way to go. Hey, you keep it up. You were the man. I hit. I played nine holes. I hit six of seven fairways, five greens in regulation, and couldn't putt to save my life. Blame it somewhat on the weather, but still, it was. I think I shot. I shot forty three, and hit the ball pretty decent. That's that I I putted. You played nine. Yeah. He's good, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't picked that up by now. He's pretty good. Oh, I got it. Better, better than Obama. 
<laughs> Are you ready? All right, go for it. Clip. <laughs> This, so, so this, this is a a Congress. This is uh, Pat Roberts, basketball enthusiast Senator Pat Roberts spends twelve minutes of Senate time uh, fantasizing about playing basketball with the president <laughs> in a uh, metaphorical. Basketball enthusiast Pat Roberts spends twelve minutes of Senate time fantasizing about playing one on one with the president. Everybody knows the president's a very good basketball player. I would emphasize to the president to bounce the, bouncing the ball to him on a, just a bounce pass and say, your ball, Mr. President, ball's in your court. And he would probably go to the left corner and sink a three at about that time. I would probably be dribbling a lot, trying to. And then after I shot and missed it, and I'd say, your ball again, Mr. President. By that time, the president has scored a couple of layups and two more jump shots. By that time... The president probably stole the ball and scored another layup. I'm still on my second shot on the free shot. By the way, I just scored a hook shot, Mr. President. That's the end of the ball. But it is not the end of the debate. <laughs> there you go. Pat Roberts you spends know, Senate time talking about The, the one thing I, I disagreed with uh, Dr. Future on in his blog post is... We are not ruled by the summers of the world, right? Like the pretty cheerleader types. No. These, I don't know exactly why they're put into power. Um, I think having lots of blackmail material helps. Um, and I think having no original thoughts in your head helps. But yes, the. You say that Pat, right there is not is not the the pretty cheerleader type. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I I bounce past the ball back to the president and say the the ball's in I, your court, Mr. President. I made a hook shot, Mr. President. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, we should end it on a high note, not on a depressing note. So. Although, you know, George W. Bush was a cheerleader. <laughs> he wasn't a fan of the sports Marco Rubio was in a Chippendales type group, so... Oh, jeez. Is that what you're saying now? <laughs> um, so we only have two stories left? Three stories left. Uh, the Donald, the good and the bad of it, and Marco Rubio invades the world. Both of those will be in the show notes. Would you like to read that last story there as written by a Boiling Frogs Post member and listener of our show? Yes. Right. Although, uh, will I be able long. to get to it? Yes. Okay. You should have pointed us in this direction sooner. but I apologize. I just realized so- it was in the bottom of the folder there. So what's the story with Newsbud? Oh, there it is. Newsbud, where media integrity matters. There's a Kickstarter starting. There's a Kickstarter that's been going, man. It's it's like a noble enterprise, which those don't seem to do too well on Kickstarter. Like some stupid trinket that no one needs. Hey, we got ten times our funding goal on Kickstarter. Great. So the bottle will actually light up <laughs> when, when you, you should drink water. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> like that? Yeah. Yeah, that does well. So check out Boiling Frog's post, Katie Aguilera. Um, and Katie, if you if you do listen to our show, tell us about uh, Newsbud and that how that operation's going. All right, I got it. So on the Newsbud Associates page on Boiling Frog's post, it lists Sybil Edmonds as the founder in chief. Peter B. Collins in a picture from the, literally from the 70s uh, as the senior producer. Bill Conroy, senior editor. Pepe Escobar, senior correspondent and analyst. Paul Jamol, Jamoli, uh, editorial cartoonist. Professor Philippe Kavisevic, senior analyst. Guillermo Jimenez, Purse Redman, Tom Secker. Tom Secker, wow. Tom's on there. Uh, Christopher German, Spiro Scores, Katie Aguilera, senior columnist and researcher. Katie Aguilera is an independent researcher, author, and activist who resides in Bend, Oregon. She, what? she studied outdoor recreation leadership and spent many years in the field of wilderness therapy as a river guide. She writes as uh, at the blog Seeking Redress. I could use some wilderness therapy. <laughs> that is a listener of our show maybe we should pro- promote that article has a peaceful government overreached has peaceful government overreach been corrupted by outside influence in burns oregon written by a listener to the show and someone who apparently would know as she has studied in that field and she got 107 comments on her article yes seeking redress.com which is her blog, A Citizen's Call for Accountability in the Wake of the Oregon Standoff. She was a post that she wrote not too long ago, but I will add this to the secret folder, seekingredress.com. It will be in the show notes, and uh, not only a listener to the Revelations Radio News, but more importantly, a writer for Boiling Frogs posts and a thinker and a... Uh, and an Oregonian. And an Oregonian, a Northwesterner to boot. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Bend, Oregon is like the um, uh, big version of Hood, of Hood River. Okay. And it is. Am I, doesn't Sabelle live there as well? Oh, I don't know. I, might, I think she does. So without any further ado, Andrew Hoffman, it's time for some words of wisdom. Well, then what, what, is, what is James Corbett doing? He needs to come visit. You know, within like a 10-hour drive, there's you, uh, James Evan Pilato in Portland, me, people in Bend. You, me, and James Evan Pilato are within three hours of each other. Is Bend pretty far out? Well, I was... uh, Bend's another three hours, so I was, you know... Being generous. I'm like four hours away from you. Yeah, is that true? I, I, I drove it a while back. I don't remember. It is probably yeah. four. But anyway, Andrew Hoffman, words of wisdom. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm unprepared. Uh, let's see. Do you have any words of wisdom, Tim? 
My words of wisdom for the week are... Do not get caught up in the race relations or political hype that seems to be rampant this week. Turn off your TV, go outside, read a book, hug your children, and remember that it's not nearly as bad as the media makes it out to be. And, uh, you know, last time I checked, um, the founder of Christianity was kind of all about um, all people groups. So, mm. And not at all about politics. And not at all about uh, taking over Caesar's position. And, as uh, the pastor at, at my church pointed out on Sunday, um, he took uh, his disciples... Some of them were from each end of the political spectrum of his day. He had the uh, the people that were kind of going along to get along with Rome, um, you know, tax collectors, which were basically seen as traitors because they would narc on you to the um, to the Romans, and the zealots who were uh, pushing for a violent overthrow of Rome. So. <coughs> Peter. <coughs> Yes. <laughs> I love I love Peter, man. <laughs> it's my favorite Bible character. So he had the the equivalents of like the uh you know, the pro government liberals and um the constitutionalists. Hmm. And but the condition was you had to leave all that and yeah, I was gonna say and your point is he united them together for one great political party or No, the point is you gotta Leave all that behind for a kingdom that is not of this world. And that is what will set you apart. Allah, Jesus Christ, for example, Monty Williams. Yeah, that was... We didn't have any clips quite on that level this week. No, that's a, that's a good clip, though. It's a good, good clip. So, without any further ado, go Trailblazers. And go podcasting. Go podcasting. Woo! A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the contact tab or support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast. Probably the worst note I've ever ended the show on. Literally, literally the worst note. Like.
I think I can't hold a tune. Just carry, just carry a tune to save my life. <laughs>